Hello and welcome to Impactability, the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast. This is a show that explores the landscape of the nonprofit organization, big and small, offers some incredibly helpful information and resources, and gives nonprofits a place to share ideas and get advice. I'm your host, Joe Turner. Our show is sponsored by Sukup Strategic Solutions, offering a wide variety of services to help nonprofits maximize their impact. So let's get into solving the problems that might be plaguing your nonprofit. Thanks for joining us on Impactability today. This is going to be fun. This is going to be a fun podcast. I mean, let's let's back up a step. We can all agree that COVID has pretty much messed up everything when it comes to nonprofit events. The annual gala, the ball, the awards luncheon, they all got put on the shelf because of COVID. Now, hoping that we're finally seeing the light at the end of the pandemic tunnel, Some nonprofits are starting to dip their toes into the event waters again, but many others are stuck with funds that need to be raised, but no event to help them do that. One answer might be a golf tournament. Now, maybe you've tried them before. Maybe they seem a bit too much work for your small staff to undertake, but they still might be the answer that you're looking for. Now, to help you decide whether a golf outing might be a good fundraiser for your nonprofit, or if you've been doing them and are always looking to make them better, We've got a pro on our course today. You like that? <laughs> Logan Logan Foote is our guest today. Logan is the Education and Development Manager at GolfStatus.org. Logan and his team have worked with all sizes of nonprofits to help them host a golf tournament and streamline the efforts that go into creating a successful outing. Logan's been golfing since he can stand practically. He's got a bachelor's degree in business administration from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, which is where we find him right now. Logan, this is going to be fun. Welcome to Impactability. Yeah, thanks for having me, Joe. Uh, Excited to have a good conversation with you. You bet. Logan, it is that time of year again, isn't it? I mean, are you like really busy right now? Yeah, this is uh, probably in terms of planning with our clients, this is probably the busiest time of year. Since you've got really everyone planning events that are in spring, summer, fall, even some in winter. Um, so, yeah, in terms of, of planning, this is a really busy time of year for us. Yeah, yeah. Tell us how you got involved in helping nonprofits host golf tournaments. Well, I uh, came to Golf Status almost five years ago now. And, you know, I had always been passionate about golf. I, I enjoyed technology as well. Um, and so uh, kind of happened upon golf status and just kind of married two of my passions together. And then really three, four years ago now uh, was when we kind of pivoted to working more with events and with you know fundraising golf events. And so that's kind of how I, I came into it. And it's been really cool, not just for our company, uh, identifying this great market where there's a lot of opportunity, a lot of people that needed help, uh, but for me, been really rewarding as well. Gotten to work with a lot of cool people, help them raise funds for some really awesome missions. So I have to ask, Logan, is this work or pleasure for you? Because I mean, you've been golfing since you were four, so I'm trying to I'm trying to see where the work part of this is. <laughs> yeah, well, definitely some work, but uh, really, by far, it's a lot of pleasure for sure for me. Um, so very rewarding work for sure. I'm guessing that, that the whole COVID thing that we talked about at the beginning has actually made things better for golf tournaments. Yeah, it's definitely drove more interest to the game of golf, which just in, for golf in general was really great. Um, when it comes to fundraising, it uh, was one of the few, if only, events a lot of these organizations can turn to to fundraise. Uh, obviously, it's outside. Um, you can easily socially distance. 
uh, it was just a natural fit if you had your auctions, galas, anything that was typically indoors where people were you know packed tightly together. When those were canceled, golf was kind of the the natural thing to turn to. So yes, COVID actually was you know good for the game of golf and for golf fundraising for sure. Mm-hmm. For our conversation today, I want to go in two different directions. So one side is the direction of those nonprofits who have done lots of tournaments looking for the latest angle that they haven't thought of yet. And then the other side, I'm looking at those who have never done a tournament and are just, they're just not too sure about it. So we're going to start there. Should we do a tournament? Yeah, I think uh, the really when someone asks me, is a golf tournament worth it? Should I put my time into it? I, I usually start by saying, pointing them to really the golfer demographic in, in general. Uh, this demographic is a very influential, highly affluent demographic that uh, a lot of nonprofits, as well as a lot of just you know companies in general, want to get their brand in front of. They are worth uh, quite a bit. Uh, a lot of uh, Fortune 500 CEOs golf. Uh, a lot of golfers own multiple homes. Um, so it's a, really a, a very influential, but also generous demographic. So you definitely want to get in front of them. And when a lot of these people see the opportunity to combine something they already love, that being golf, with uh, a nonprofit's mission, they typically jump at the chance to do that. So it is definitely worth the time. I believe it is since 2012, I think golf has brought in about $20 billion for charitable efforts. So it's, it's definitely a lucrative opportunity. You mentioned time. So I'm going to ask you how much lead time should a nonprofit have if they want to do a tournament? Uh, I would say typical lead time anywhere in that four to eight month window is, Mm -hmm. is a good lead time. Uh, I have event organizers that as soon as they wrap up their golf event, they go into the the clubhouse and they sign the contract for next year, giving themselves a full year. Um, So uh, that's something I hear often is like, oh, I wish I would have given myself more, some more time, but anywhere I would say four five to eight month time frame is a, a good amount of lead time for you. Okay. So my nonprofit, we're, we think we want to do this. Okay. Um, you kind of talked us into it. We like the sound of everything. So now what, what do I do first, second, et cetera? You know, the first few steps are usually forming your planning team, a committee, if you have one. Uh, you're really understanding your goals, what you want to accomplish with the events. And then as far as, you know, actually getting things booked, you want to identify what time of year I want to run this event. I want to find your golf course, whether that's, you know, a public course, a private course, and then just start calling those golf courses. And uh, they usually have someone dedicated to uh, work with outside events to get you all booked and to get you set up. And then from there, it's just getting everything uh, ironed out in terms of pricing, sponsorships, and then uh, loading that all up on a event website to uh, kind of start getting uh, registrations and sponsors. Yeah, we're going to dig into each piece of that. I first want to know, who do I go to at a golf course? I mean, am I talking to the pro? Is there is there someone specific that I go to? It varies. Uh, sometimes it'll just be the pro. Usually if it's a public course, uh, a lot of the times it will be just the head professional, maybe the general manager. Uh, if you talk to a private club, uh, they may have someone on staff that uh, actually is dedicated to work just with outside outings. But regardless, just call them up, say, hey, I'm, uh, I have an outside event. I'd, I'm interested in hosting at your golf course. Who would I need to talk to? And they'll, they'll get you to the right person. And I, I always like to tell people, don't be afraid or, or nervous to, to make these calls. Golf courses get a lot of their annual revenue from outside outings. So they are more than happy to talk to you. And they, they in fact, want to earn your business. So I'm listening so far. My nonprofit's thinking about it. I told you we're kind of, I think we're going to do this, but 
The one holdup, and I know you've heard this probably countless times, probably everyone you've ever talked to, I don't think I have the staff, or do I? What kind of manpower am I going to need? Well, I've seen a, a one-person show pull these off uh, really? multiple times. So it's possible. That's not ideal, but it is possible, especially if you have the right tools, the right technology. But I would say a, a good kind of planning team, a good range that we see is anywhere from five to, to 10. Uh, you could go a little less than five being okay. That's what we typically see. But like I said, you can do it yourself. It's a ton of work but you can't, it is possible, but ideally you'd have uh, at least a few people around you to, to help you with all the tasks, ideally somewhere in that five to 10 range. Earlier, you mentioned the word sponsorships, and we all know there's lots of dollars in sponsorships. How do I get some of those dollars? Really, when it comes to attracting sponsors, you definitely want to offer a good range of opportunities for, for people to take advantage of. I always say, don't be afraid to go big uh, and offer a lot out there. I, I like to use this quote quite often. One of my favorite tournament organizers, uh, she sells a ton of sponsorships for her event. She says, if I can put a logo on it, I'm selling a sponsorship for it. Uh, so don't be afraid to, to put yourself out there and, and, and go big. But uh, another good uh, strategy is to, for all of those on your planning team, your committee, whatever it may be, really have them come up with maybe a short list of companies they may think they could go after to approach with the sponsorship opportunities and then have them report back on kind of where they stand you know, after a, a couple of weeks or so. So have everyone put together a list and then kind of hold people accountable for that list uh, and attracting them. And then also having one place to drive sponsors to, you know, things aren't scattered. It's like, if you want to learn about our sponsorship opportunities, click here and it's all right there for them. So I'm giving them free foursomes and the whole nine yards to get those sponsorship dollars. Yeah, that's a really good uh, idea to include a foursome of golfers uh, with a sponsorship package if you'd like. That way, you kind of kill two birds with one stone. You sell a sponsorship and a foursome of golfers at the same time, and that can attract, be attractive to a sponsor. It's like, oh, I can you know, pay to get some exposure, support a charity, but I could also send four people out to play golf that day too. Um, yeah. they, they, they like that. Yeah, and they're also going to be bringing – additional dollars because it's not just you show up and play and leave there's a lot more involved in in the tournament right oh absolutely there's you know there's contests there's games there's obviously food and beverage drinks um, there's there's so many opportunities to bring in additional dollars while golfers are on the golf course you should absolutely have uh, have those various things going on for sure okay i'm gonna put you on the spot give me your top five planning tips for a golf tournament uh, top five, uh, we've already hit on one. I guess this would be my first was give yourself enough time. If you want to run a golf tournament, you know, and it's, let's say it's today, uh, maybe don't try to plan one for the spring, maybe look at late summer, the fall. So give yourself enough time to pull it off. Number two, I'd say use technology. We hear from organizers all the time. I'm doing this with paper forms, with, um, you know, email processing checks, it's one of their biggest pain points ever. So use technology. It'll make your life so much easier and it'll make it more possible to do with a, a small team as well, if that's what you, what you have. Number three, I would say set your goals. Uh, really know what you want to accomplish with this event. Do you want to steward donors? Do you want to grow your existing donor base? Obviously you want to raise funds. Maybe you want to put a goal out there. Here's how much we want to raise. So understand what, what you want to accomplish with this event and kind of let that inform your decision-making. Uh, and then, uh, like I already mentioned as well, form a planning team if you can. What a lot of our organizers do is they, when they start with their team, they kind of identify uh, those in their team that have the golf background experience. Maybe could point them in the direction of which courses to go to, how to go about doing things. They always go to them with any golf questions they have. Mm -hmm. And then number five, I would say 
really the the thing that I say that differentiates a good event from a not great event is just focus on the experience for the golfer. Make sure they are going to have a great time from the moment they arrive. Uh, that's what's going to keep them coming back year after year. So as you're planning the event, make sure you have really fun things planned for the golfer. Make sure they're well taken care of throughout the day. Always be thinking about the experience for all of your participants. I'm listening to you and just something popped into my head about the goodie bag. And for folks who are not quite sure what the goodie bag is, it's just kind of a bag of stuff that you get when you sign on to, to be in a foursome or whatnot. But those goodie bags can really help bring in some some revenue that you didn't plan on, right? Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a nice little treat for the golfers when they arrive, you know, whether it's a T-shirt, hat, balls. Uh, I've even seen custom cigar cutter, stuff like that. I mean, obviously, you want to know your golfers, who they are and what they might appreciate, but yeah, that's uh, that's another thing that's kind of speaks to the experience I was mentioning. Um, yeah, having that waiting for them on their golf cart when they arrive is really cool and obviously just gets their day started off on a good note right when they arrive. This is a great conversation. We're speaking with Logan Foote about whether a golf tournament might be a good fundraiser for your nonprofit. We're going to take a short pause and when we come back, we'll head to the back nine for those who already do golf tournaments and offer some things that might help make it even more successful. You're listening to Impactability, the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast. I'm Joe Turner. We'll be right back. Sometimes there's just not enough hours in the day to get the work at your nonprofit done. Sukup Strategic Solutions can help. We handle all kinds of projects, especially the ones you can't seem to get to. Fundraising, marketing, grant writing, communications, and more. With Sukup Strategic Solutions, you'll have a team of nonprofit professionals working for you. You'll have more hands on deck, reduce overhead, and increase efficiency. For a free consultation on how we can help lighten the load at your nonprofit, visit SukupStrategicSolutions.com. Maximize your impact with Sukup Strategic Solutions. Welcome back to Impactability, the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Turner. We're speaking with our guest, Logan Foote, about golf tournaments, how they might be a good source of fundraising for your nonprofit, and if you already do a golf tournament, how you can make it better. Now, coming up in just a few minutes, we'll have another edition of Coach's Corner. Great question today, so stay tuned for that. Logan, first of all, before we continue our discussion, I got to ask, what's your handicap? Uh, I'm sitting at about a five right now. Dude, you're killing me right now. (laughs) All right, let's get back into this conversation. Great conversation, Logan. You've been doing this, as we mentioned, for quite a few years now, and you've worked with a variety of nonprofits. I'd like you to share with us a story of a nonprofit doing a tournament for the first time and how it was a game changer for them. Yeah, so uh, one of our larger partners is um, Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. Um, So they have a ton of just third-party organizers who will throw an event to raise money for them. Um, And we had an event organizer that came to us, got them all set up, ready to go. Uh, You know, there's a little more hand-holding on our end when it's a first-year organizer, which we're happy to do. We we love our first-year event organizers. But this the amount of support they they got the amount of participation they got was so great and we've had just this isn't limited to just their story but so many others first timers that that come through here are so excited to run it again and this isn't a quote from that tournament but from another tournament organizer um, that also puts on an event for uh, children's Um, he said it's his favorite day to go to work uh, the day they put on their golf tournament their golf fundraiser uh, because it's just it's a day that's filled with so much positivity, so much joy, so much really good feeling because you're out, you're having a good time, but you're, you know why you're there. So it's really cool. Uh, and it's, it's really fulfilling. And if you, you do it right, 
uh, it can be just an awesome, awesome time. Yeah. And I think you hit the nail right on the head because the golfers that are coming to the tournament to participate in the tournament, they know this is a fundraiser for a charity. And it's also a great way to kind of learn more about a charity you might not know anything about. Yeah, for sure. I tell nonprofits all the time, if you want to grow your your donor base, golf is a great way to do it. Because what happens, as you know, a lot of these charity golf events are filled with four-person teams. Usually, a person who is familiar with your organization will sign up, and then they'll bring along three friends, many of which, all of which might not have any clue about who your organization is, what your mission is. So you can expose a lot of people for four or five hours while they're at the golf course to your organization and bring them in as new donors. Um, so it's a great way to grow your donor base as a nonprofit. I've attended a lot of golf tournaments myself over the years, worked at a lot of them, and it's usually a, a guy's thing. The wives usually stay home other than maybe one or two lady players. Now, how can we involve the spouses? Are there any tips you can give us? Because you know, they're kind of at home and we'd like to have them involved. And, and of course, we'd like them to learn about our mission as well. Yeah, I think uh, when it comes to, you know, getting more women involved or even just getting people who are new to the game involved more, um, obviously golf can be intimidating to those that don't have the experience. I think you want to create an environment where they're surrounded with others that uh, of their similar skill set. So something I like to recommend is you could put on a clinic that goes on the same time as the actual golf tournament, you know, that maybe takes place on the range while the tournament's going on. Uh, just, you know, a little teaching clinic. They maybe learn some basics at the range, same at the practice putting green. You know, you could always say open invitation, open invitation to those who want to just ride along with a team and not actually golf. If, if that's something they're more comfortable doing, but really, you just want to surround them with people who are their, their similar skill set. And also, you kind of want the tone of the event to be, we're here to have fun. We're here to raise funds uh, for a great cause. Uh, and that way, you, know, you don't have you know, the serious golfers taking it way too seriously, which is not the, the point of the day when it comes to a charity event. Yeah. And a wine stop along the way. Every few holes have a wine stop. That'd be kind of nice. Oh, yeah. I've, I've been in events where they have wine out on the course. It's great. I'm liking that idea. I got to save that one. <laughs> what are some other ways that nonprofits can make a few more dollars at a tournament other than the standard entry fee and mulligans and that kind of thing? Yeah, I think on-course contests are uh, very popular. So a hole-in-one contest, uh, basically they're paying a, an entry every time they get to a certain par three and you hit a shot and you go a hole-in-one, you get a big prize. Uh, obviously, odds are they're not going to get a hole-in-one, so they're going to pay that entry fee every time. Same thing with a putting contest, kind of a similar thing. It's usually on the practice screen. There's a long putt and you can pay to hit as many putts as you'd like to, to make it. Uh, I've seen unique things like uh, you have an air cannon on a hole uh, where basically you pay and you load your ball in an air cannon instead of hitting a drive and you shoot that down the fairway for your drive. Um, so that's a cool way. So really any on-course things you can do where guys and, and girls are paying for entries into participate in whatever fun contest you have going. I love the air cannon. That is a, that's done. The next tournament I'm involved in, that is done. So instead of instead of driving, you shoot an air you shoot your ball with an air cannon. Yeah, you don't even bring a club up. You just bring your ball, load it in the cannon, fire it off. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So what advice would you have, Logan, for the nonprofit who's done tournaments every year with success, but they're looking for a, a new wrinkle, a few new maybe tricks in the golf bag. What do you got? 
Yeah, we, we work with a lot of those all the time. They come to us. Um, a lot of them are looking to incorporate more technology uh, when, when it comes to their online registration um, and whatnot. One of the way or one of the items that they really enjoy utilizing when they first work with us is our live scoring. You can live score uh, on your own phone and put those up on a live leaderboard that's displayed on TVs and the clubhouse. That kind of elevates the overall feel of the event that can increase the competition uh, amongst the golfers, which is always fun. But having those scores up throughout the day is a really cool way to not only elevate the feel of the event, but also it also streamlines your results process. So you get those results quicker at the end of the event and you can hand out rewards faster. So that's always great. Golfers aren't kind of waiting around for, for results. You can get them the rewards a lot quicker. I got to ask Logan, any other trends that you're seeing that are making the events bigger and better? I mean, you said technology, obviously that's helping anything else you got. That's a tough one. I mean, making them bigger and better. I think they're just kind of finding more ways to make it a more fun experience, you know, have multiple vendors out on the course that they can engage with, interact with, uh, have a, and you'll have a good time. I always like to tell this story. Uh, uh, we had a golf event that they had a, uh, a bourbon sponsor, a bourbon company come in and be a sponsor. And what they did, they loaded this bucket up full of their different uh, bourbons that they sell. They put it in the fairway on like a par four or par five. And whoever at their drive closest to that bucket got to keep it. So just those cool, fun ways to, again, make the experience a lot better, a lot more fun, a lot more memorable. Those are the cool stories that I kind of hang on to and uh, remember. And I, I'm sure the golfers at the event do too, and can't wait to do it again next year. Mm-hmm. One final question. Anything that we should not do? Anything that you should not do? Um, yeah. When it comes to the biggest, uh, the most common pain points I hear from organizers is the biggest struggle they have is when they have people sign up for their event, but they don't pay and they have to get to the event day. And then they're running around trying to get payments from all these different people. That's what has been reported to me more often than not as the biggest headache of a golf tournament. That's probably not even specific to golf tournaments, but when they just get everyone registered, paid up, that's what saves them the most time, makes it the most enjoyable for, for them as the, the tournament organizer. Logan, this has been a fun conversation. And one thing I think we can agree on is that, of course, golf tournaments are a lot of hard work, but they can be fun. They can raise some significant funds for a nonprofit. And, they, and as we said before, they're a great way to reach new constituents who aren't familiar with your mission yet. So, Logan, I have to thank you. Thank you so much for giving us some insight today on what could be the answer for some of the nonprofits in our listening audience. We appreciate your time today on Impactability. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Appreciate you having me. Time now for Coach's Corner. I love this part of our show because this is where we take your questions. We ask them of our impact coaches, see what kind of answers they can get for you. Keep those questions coming. Impact coaches at impactability.net. And today we have a fantastic question. This one comes to us anonymously. And our impact coach, Cheryl Sukup, president of Sukup Strategic Solutions, is going to answer it for us. Cheryl, this one is probably the toughest one that we've asked yet. And usually we have tough questions about boards, board development, fundraising. This has nothing to do with any of that, but still very tough. Listen closely. The question reads, I have several staff members who work remotely. It feels like since COVID has forced many to work this way, productivity has dropped. It's made it difficult to keep the momentum that we once had. How do I manage my remote staff and keep them as engaged and productive as in the past? How do I address the issue? 
This is an amazing question, Cheryl. Good luck with this one. You're going to need it. Cheryl on Coach's Corner, you have five minutes to answer the question, and your five minutes begins right now. Okay, thank you, Joe. First of all, when it comes to engagement and productivity for remote staff, you really need to be intentional. And also, technology plays a huge part in this. So I think one of the things that Um, is critical is staying connected throughout the day. And so if you're not already using Office 365, Microsoft has a special program for nonprofits that allows you to access Microsoft 365 for free. And if you need the Office suite of products of of software apps, you can also um, get that for a very low cost, deep discount as a nonprofit. So I encourage you, if you're not already using this technology, to consider it. It will give you access to Teams, which allows nonprofit professionals to stay connected with their organization and their teammates throughout the day. So um, it has various channels and you can use those channels and divide them up in any way that makes sense to you. But it allows you to group people into Teams and then by topic in channels. And then in addition to that, it allows you to use video backgrounds and still image backgrounds to kind of create opportunities for fun and engagement, to allow people to celebrate together and just to kind of change things up and have a little bit of fun. You can also use these in a more professional manner by putting your logo behind you. And and even though somebody is working in their bedroom, they can really look like they're working in the office. So it's really got a lot of versatility. You also can use some cool different little features inside Teams, such as a whiteboard where you can share um, the whiteboard and write different things on it in real time or, you know, as people have time. And so um, it's kind of fun. It creates a little bit of engagement and it's not as boring as sharing a Word document. Then there's something called Stream that allows you to record videos for, for one another If you use all these different tools and you're creative with them, you can really create a lot of engagement with one another during the day. Other integrated apps include things like Praise. So you can use this Praise app, which is also free, to tell each other that you're doing a great job. And if somebody does something that's remarkable, give them a little praise publicly so other people can see what they are excelling at. And then there's the the GIF. So the GIFs are, are, are fun little pictures that allow you to kind of emphasize the feelings that you're having about work or or different things that are happening. And and I think being able to use these resources helps kind of recreate what is formally called, you know, gathering around the uh, water cooler, you know, it allows people to have a little bit of personal and social connection and have a little bit of fun with one another while they're doing their work, which is really critical for people to stay engaged. In addition, you can use these teams and the channels to share important information with one another, even if it's just general information about, you know, something that the media picked up about your organization or an award that a grant award that your organization just received and allow everybody to see that and comment on it and encourage one another. I'd also like to mention SharePoint because that's a part of Office 365 suite of free apps. And SharePoint allows you to not only create news stories on almost like a dashboard, but also it gives you the opportunity to share documents and in a secure way. You can share them not only internally with your staff, but you can add guests to that as well so that you can share a particular 
uh, folder with people outside of your organization while maintaining the privacy of the rest of your documents um, in other folders. In addition, if you're outside of the office suite of programs, there are things like Slack and, and Salesforce for nonprofits that create this opportunity to stay connected by technology all day long. So some of it's live and some of it's messaging, but these are really important tools to keep people connected to one another throughout the day. I also recommend establishing a meeting rhythm. If you can meet with one another on a regular basis, it helps people feel like they're working together on a team. In our company, we meet every single morning for about 10 to 15 minutes. And that morning meeting rhythm allows us all to connect at the beginning of the day or near the beginning of most people's day. And it allows us to understand what one another is working on, what the priorities are for the day. Then we have a weekly staff meeting where everybody gets together via technology to recap important things that are coming up in our company, things that have changed in our company, or any issues or problems that we're having. This was really critical as we were implementing new technologies and helped us get through the rough spots together as a team. That rhythm makes it really easy for people to feel connected to one another and to bring up important issues that they're having or solutions to things that other people are experiencing. Cheryl, I hate to cut in, but your five minutes are up. And I know you're on a roll, but Coach's Corner rules say five minutes is all you get. Okay, Joe. Well, it's hard to talk about this entire issue in five minutes. So why don't I come back next week? And we can do the second part of this because there's much more to say about this. Agreed. Technology is one thing, but there's so much more involved besides that. So we're going to bring you back again next week to finish off the topic. Cheryl, thanks so much. Thank you, Joe. If you've got a question for Coaches Corner, we want to hear from you. Email them to us at impactcoaches at impactability.net. Again, that's impactcoaches at impactability.net. And if you want to reach me, my email address is joe.turner at impactability.net. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app, and that way you'll get new episodes downloaded just as soon as they come out. Also, please give us a review or a rating so that your peers in the nonprofit industry can find us as well. I'm Joe Turner. Thanks for listening, and thank you for all you do to make the world a better place through your nonprofit.